Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we have a slightly different episode as we hear from our man David Taylor and what it was like to cover Tiger Woods' 15th major victory and then get to play Augusta National the very next day. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello, I'm Elliot Heath. Hello, Elliot. Pleasure to be here. My, Hello, my, Dave. You're my right. Debut on the Golf Monthly podcast. Well, yep. Which, uh, yeah, it's a highlight of my career, obviously. Right. So, introduce yourself, Dave. Uh, so, I might not know. Uh, David Taylor. I'm content editor on Golf Monthly. Work on the magazine side uh, predominantly. But uh, this year was luckily given the chance to uh, head out to Augusta to uh, cover my first Masters, um, which was, as you'd imagine, a real, real treat. Yeah, and it has to go down as one of the highlights of, of my career so far. Yeah, uh, I'm there with child, child being born uh, and getting children married. Being born. Uh, yeah, I don't think my uh, partner listens, listens to this, so I can safely get away with the fact <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it was definitely, as a, a, a week of my life, it's definitely up there with one of the highlights. It was, you know, everything that could have gone right, did go right. Um, you know, the golf was fantastic. The outcome was amazing. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go we'll t- go into it in a bit more detail, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh, So yeah, we have no Tom Clark this week. He is in Cyprus, I think, playing cricket. Uh, so hello, Tom, if you're listening. He'll be back next week. Uh, we've got a big week coming up then with the Wells Fargo, where Tiger Woods is playing, I think, Rory McIlroy as well. And then the PGA the week after. But this week we'll focus on what happened last week at Augusta. And yeah, Dave, sum your week up. It was incredible, wasn't it? Well, it was. I mean, I think for everyone, whether you were there, whether you were watching on TV, uh, the it, it just seemed slightly unreal, the whole thing. Um, I mean, Tiger looked in, uh, it's so composed all week. He, uh, he just plodded around, I think as he said himself, he plodded around the golf course, didn't make many mistakes when he did. He recovered from it fantastically. And uh, and everyone else fell away, and he was the last man standing. Um, to be there, to sample the atmosphere, to, to see on that final day, I was lucky enough to follow him for the first nine, ten holes. When I when and when I could uh, could actually get a view of uh, of him on the course, you know, the crowds were ridiculous, as you can imagine, as you probably saw. But yeah, just to sample that atmosphere, to see what the the pressure these guys play under, especially him. I mean, he must be used to it after however many years of doing it. And yeah, he was just when it counted, he was there. Everyone else fell away, as I say. Um, the Molinari. I don't know whether it was the pressure, whether it was a couple of bad shots, what it was, but um, but Tiger pounced at the right time, and uh, yeah, what an outcome. Yeah, so were you there on the 18th Green I did. celebration? I, yeah, followed to him down the 10th, and by that point the crowds were getting... I, I couldn't really get a sight of him at all. And then it gets to a, a bit of a bottleneck at uh, around Amen Corner, so I thought, there's no way I'm going to get down there. The crowds were huge. So I'll head back to the media centre, see it all unfold. You know, you don't really get a full full appreciation of what's going on at the rest of the course when you're, when you're out there. There aren't big screens up. You can see scoreboards. But uh, I thought I'd I'd head back to the media centre to see the final few holes, see see how it panned out. But then, yeah, I sent a message to the group, uh, to the golf monthly group, when when uh, when Tiger was on 17, and I thought I have to have to get out there and witness this because uh, it's uh, it'll never happen again um, for me. So yeah, I sent a message to say, do you mind if I file my piece slightly late because I'm going to head out and uh, and see what this is all about? And yeah, I managed to get. I was about seven rows back on the 18th. Wow. I had a perfect view of his final putt. So I couldn't quite make out what was going on with his uh, 
with his par putt, but it became pretty obvious he was uh, he was in range to uh, tap in and win. And then just just at that moment, I had a perfect view of his final putt. But uh, as he crouched over it, uh, someone's about six foot five. Someone's head ducked in front of me, and I missed it. But but just to be there to hear the chanting, to hear the atmosphere, to see him walk off the course. So, I mean, I managed to see how elated he was. Uh, it was just one of those sporting moments which which I'll never forget. I mean, I've been been lucky enough to see a, f- a few sort of iconic moments over the years. I was there when England won the Ashes in 2005 at the Oval, which I thought would never be beaten. I was there, uh, up there again with iconic sporting moments. I was up there when Wimbledon won the FA Cup in 1988. <laughs> I'm sure uh, that sticks out for everyone. But for me, that certainly sticks out, um, seeing your team win the FA Cup. But this was on a different level. It really was. I mean, just to feel the energy, feel, you know, you felt you were a, a part of history. And um, yeah, I've, I've just, just can't say how lucky I was to be there, really. Yeah, it's crazy how fans that weren't even on Tiger's Hole were celebrating every time they saw the leaderboard. Yeah. Or um, Kepka was teeing off 17 and the fans were going wild on the 17th tee when Woods stiffed it on 16. Yeah. It just I seemed s- like a party atmosphere. It was. Uh, when Woods uh, birded seven and Molinari bogeyed, I, I couldn't get to the green that, so I was on the eighth fairway waiting for them. And all I heard was, the, the, unfortunately, the cheers that went up when the scoreboard changed. So a huge cheer went up when it changed for Tiger and then another slightly less cheer, uh, large cheer went up when uh, Molinari's bogey was posted so it was obvious yeah, f- who everyone was uh, gunning for uh, there was I mean uh, something like that you'd think it would affect Molinari I, I mean as cool and calm as he'd been all week and always is it's got to have got to him I, yeah I, I think I, it did as well I, I mean I I wonder how differently you know with the whole weather delay and how that affected the players and the fact they were in a final group if it hadn't if it had been a normal Sunday Molinari would have been teeing off with Finau in the final group and what sort of difference that would have made I mean I think that prolonged pressure especially Molinari didn't seem to be hitting it as cleanly as he had been the first few holes it's got to have built up and you know he said I've just hit it too softly on 12 but you know, it's uh, with that amount of pressure, that amount of people all rooting for the yeah, man. Yeah, he knows he can't hit it softly there, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and it was two mistakes at the end of the day. Yeah. So I'm sure you can read into it as much as you want, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there was Tiger just carrying on doing what he, doing what he's been doing. It was almost like Tiger was a football team playing in front of their home fans, or a boxer <laughs> fighting in their hometown, and it was. I mean. It, at Carnoustie yes they were paired together yes I mean there's always that atmosphere around Tiger but this was different this was you know him and his home patch the whole crowd were you know rooting for Tiger more so I think I mean I was rooting for him I mean I've always liked him over the years it's always been great to see how his career has pan out and his comeback has been magnificent but I would never have imagined myself rooting for him over every shot it was just you know you get carried away with yeah, it yeah I, I wouldn't expect that you all the abuse I get from being a massive <laughs> Tiger fan well it's uh, I was being slightly older than you Elliot I was it was I wasn't really brought up with him you know I was I remember it back in you know the late 80s early 90s was my my first memory of Augusta was Sandy Lyle and that bunker shot so I perhaps was uh, slightly more tempered when it came to uh, Tiger Woods but but yeah, I mean, it was as comebacks come, as comebacks go. Even that was, uh, I, I can't see that being beaten. What was the media centre like, actually? 
Well, it was. Uh, I'd heard stories about the media centre. They'd spent however many hundred million dollars on it, and uh, it's like this vast mansion on the edge of the course. So you, uh, I, th- I think, tales of the uh, the old setup. It was a sort of old tin roof building, temp- bit of a temporary feel to it. But this was, you know, a permanent structure built. Um, yeah, a huge sort of auditorium where everyone's got a desk, and you sit with overlooking the range and you've got um, two large screens either side so you can see the scoreboard one side you've got the feed of uh, the golf on the other side you can choose which commentary you've got so i was listening to the sky sky commentary for most of it um yeah you've got a restaurant you've got downstairs you've got the press conference room um and yeah various other tv rooms and that sort of thing and you know all the food you could want to eat it, it was yeah, I don't don't want to bang on too much about it, but it was a pretty yeah, it made you feel pretty special. I remember Bernard there. Langer said on the podcast last week how special Augusta is because it has buildings instead of tents, whereas the other majors don't. It's all yeah. very like pop up, like you said. Yeah, and I think those buildings are all very much hidden away as well. So I mean, they're all behind a lot of greenery, and you know, you'd have to really search these things out to find them if you, unless you knew, you knew where they were. It's uh, it's all done in such a classy way, uh, so discreet, and I think that kind of sums up the whole place. Really, it's uh, it's just a very special, discreet feeling about you know you, you're made to feel like you are you know, somewhere pretty special. Um, do you see any of the cabins, the Butler cabin or the Eisenhower cabin? Uh, they were, I mean, they're right there. So on the tenth, the Eisenhower cabin's right, right, right behind uh, where they tee off, um, and then yeah, when I saw the par three contest on on the wednesday uh you want wander through the cabins to kind of get to the to behind uh yeah again behind the tent where that's all tucked away so i mean as a media you do get quite a lot of um yeah i was surprised by the amount of access you do get so i found myself wandering through the clubhouse on my first day there i didn't quite realize wow. I, it was um it was allowed but uh yeah you have certain access code you you I, they just welcome you in and there there I was standing next to the trophy in the clubhouse and it looks like quite a small wooden clubhouse is that right it was, uh, that was one of the things that took me by surprise actually it was uh, you uh, the, you've seen seen countless pictures of, of the clubhouse but it's actually quite a small building so you walk in and it's a, a small ground floor uh, sort of bar area um, and reception uh, and then upstairs you've got the champions locker room and the and the crow's nest above that where the amateurs stay uh but yeah it's a pretty compact building quite yeah uh next to several other buildings so they all kind of right blend into one really but yeah the clubhouse itself was uh was smaller than i thought one of the things that surprised me yeah and there's a lot said about how augusta's a bit grim outside and then with that washington avenue and then just this oasis when you get through the gates and down Magnolia Lane. It is, uh, yeah. Or is it Magnolia Drive? It, Magnolia Lane, yeah. Is it? It's, uh, well, uh, I didn't have the chance to do that until the Monday, obviously, but we'll come on to that. But, uh, yeah, the media entrance is next to the end of the range, so you, you have your own entrance there. But, oh, yeah, right. it's... Um, I've not been to that part of America before. I've been to New York a couple of times, um, and it surprised me how nondescript the the highway was you know it's lots of fast food restaurants lots of shopping outlets uh, yeah not somewhere you'd expect to stumble across something so luxurious but yeah you take a right and then behind these gates hidden away is uh, is augusta national which you know you compare the two you, i mean as well being so close to the highway you don't hear any of that noise you don't you really? are you 
don't, well, it's there's so many trees out there which um, which dampen it, but yeah, you really do feel like you're taken into another world when you when you yeah. actually turn in. So it's uh, yeah, an experience I'd I'd recommend to anyone. And what about the hills? Is it? Again, it's fairly flat on telly. But yeah, then it. Uh, I mean, again, the tenth is, is like a ski slope. The tenth is huge. The eighteenth as well, coming back up the other way. In uh, the first is a as a roller coaster as well. I mean, it's one of those things. Again, I was I was prepared for because you. I've heard it from people in the office. I've heard it from. Um, from a lot of you know it's always the first comment you hear isn't it you know i'm surprised by the undulations but yeah it's uh to walk it you're going you know some really tenth is straight downhill and again uh, uh, yeah first and second is a lot of it's it goes quite sharply downwards yeah. um so yeah hard work for these guys to to um six is is that straight down a hill as well six yeah you've got the spectators sitting on the hill watching the balls come yeah, over, over the top it? yeah hopefully nobody tops it no not until the monday anyway but uh it's um yeah it must be quite a strange experience you, yeah. you do get a view of the 16th as well from there so i can see why it's a popular spot so you can you, you you've can just about make out the green from there so you've got you know best of both worlds really but yeah you can't you, you kind of hear the tee shot behind you and then wait for it to land on the green you know you have to work out who's uh who's hitting when but um but yeah you can't really go wrong as i was saying earlier in the office you get so close to every hole it's only really around amen corner round 12 and where they tee off on 13 where you can't get close to it everywhere else you you right there on top of them I mean, which is similar to many you know the open to many um to many tournaments but i was surprised by how i mean at one point i'm standing two yards away from tiger teeing off at the eighth and it's just a yeah a bit of a dream world it really was <laughs> yeah that 13th tee just looks like one of the most beautiful places on planet it, Earth. yeah it does i um, mean and yeah they're obviously changing that for next year they said um so they are moving it back that was the talk yeah so they've uh they've bought the land and i think from what i gathered they were going to start work on it pretty much immediately right. uh so they've had to pay a vast sum to uh to get the land from augusta country club and they've had to guarantee that they'll re i think it's their ninth hole that they're remodeling and they've had to bring in some top designers to uh oh, yeah. sweeten them with that way so i think uh, they had a pretty decent bargaining chip there to um to get what they wanted and uh and they've certainly yeah so that uh, i'm pretty sure that will be changing for next year because even like 20 years ago they were hitting three woods into that hole and now they're hitting eight irons well tiger woods hit an eight iron in there bubba hit pitching wedge didn't he in 2014 i think yeah and you think yeah as as how much does it matter that it's a par five but um when people you know it's still everyone's playing the same scorecard at the end of the yeah. day but it does doesn't have the feel of a par five at all it's uh yeah they needed to need to do something i think and there was talk of it being lowered possibly that would change it or make it a little bit more of an extreme corner but uh but yeah as with everything at augusta they usually make the right decision so so we'll see we'll see what comes with that next year what about the food as well <laughs> that's a very popular talking so well i think pimento cheese sandwiches sausage yeah, biscuits i think tom being a big food fan made it a popular uh talking point last year but uh I, my one disappointment of the week would probably be the pimento cheese sandwich. Disappointment? I mean, well, there's a lot of hype about it, a lot yeah. of talk. It's this iconic thing. 
I mean, dare I say it, at the end of the day, it's a cheese sandwich. But uh, oh, is it loads of different cheeses mixed together with red pepper for a fluffy, light taste? It's. <laughs> I don't know if you're on the uh, marketing board at Augusta, but it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's a nice cheese sandwich. But at the end of the day, <laughs> there's lots of other things I prefer in a sandwich. Yeah, what were your, what were your favourites? Uh, so, I mean, they've got these lovely barbecue chicken sandwiches. Oh, it's it's uh, one of the beautiful... I mean, we had all these things on tap in the media centre. So you really? just you just go and pick what you want. And there's also a restaurant which serves great food. So we were sport for choice. But, the, you know, one of the again, one of the things which is publicised quite a lot is how cheap these are for the patrons, as they uh, call them. But, uh, you know, it's $1.50, $2 for a sandwich, $5 for a beer, which, you know, is quite refreshing in these days, isn't it, to, to have treat the fans uh, in that way. I think from, you know, the amount of people, everyone you see is wandering around pretty much head to toe in Augusta or Masters mer- merchandise. So I think, I think they make their money other way, in other ways yeah it's not cheap in there is it it's not cheap saying. in there I didn't didn't splash out too much myself luckily my kids are too young to demand uh, various um, yeah bits of merchandise and presents so that I think they could get away with a, a tea marker but um, but yeah you, you could spend some serious money in there and I think by the look of it most people did so did you say how much they took or they were taking? They were talking, I mean, there's talk of $50 million. I don't have, this was rumour and, yeah. conge- you know, so it's, it's just plucking a figure out the air. But it sounded like they could afford to, you know, have a few cut price cheese sandwiches <laughs> yeah. on the course because they were making a hell of a lot of money elsewhere. That must be quite a cool moment when you see the, are they like little um, pop-up vans or something, these food trucks? No, they're all they're all permanent structures. So they're right. all, they're all, quite discreetly hidden away in the in the woods so yeah. they're all uh all these green huts and you know as you'd expect they're all all very efficient you queue up and there's you know dozens of people serving and you pick up what you want on the way and yeah it's it, despite the queues being huge you're in and out in a few minutes dare um, i say it, even that white menu is a little bit iconic for me <laughs> it must be quite cool when you see that for the first time it's uh, yeah i think everything is they they they, they just get it right they've they've been doing it for so many years um and yeah iconic i think is the word it's you know it's so understated but you know you've got your yeah. augusta national logo on there so you can't really go wrong and yeah tom said last week about how the the wrappers are all green because once there was a white wrapper like rolling across the course yes i've heard that, that one like. uh yeah they're all i mean i think i think anyone who drops litter around there yeah, you is, get kicked uh, out yeah 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 it, I, uh, people it's it's amazing to see that many people, yeah, on their best behaviour. Uh, dare I say it, that many loud Americans? All, <laughs> you know, everyone's so pleased to be there. No one's going to put. No one would dare. It, I got the impression no one would dare smuggle their phone in or try and take a selfie because what is the point of getting kicked out of Augusta? It must be incredible seeing that many people and no smartphones in this day and age. Well, it, it's amazingly refreshing. You know, it, it's got to a stage with phones, especially for someone of uh, you know. Being slightly older than you again, Elliot. Um, no, I agree just, with you, Dave. It's it, it's just got ridiculous. Where every event you're at, everyone is looking at their phone or filming it or doing whatever. Whether you're on a bus, everyone's looking at. The, I mean, there's various arguments for that, but to be somewhere where no one has a phone, everyone is just fully concentrated on. There's no big screens up. No one's watching a big screen. Everyone is there to watch the golf, and I think it's one of these traditions which Augusta is famous for. But I think it's something that will catch on. I, I think other... You do? I think, well, 
it's got to a stage with certain events i don't know whether it's golf whether it's other sports whether it's music events where it takes away from the spectacle of it i think and um people won't enjoy it less to be looking at it through their phone yeah you saw that on the 18th green when woods hold that putt like the whole place just erupted people were smiling people were hugging strangers yeah. by the look of it as well yeah i think i and got a hug, hug off a very very tall american gentleman to my left yeah he was uh yeah he was a bit sweaty unfortunately any but, tears uh, uh not much not personally <laughs> but there were there were some tears around yeah yeah, uh, yeah just the chance of tiger tiger and yeah emotions were, were but yeah like right. what good would a smartphone done in that instance I, someone might have taken a blurry picture or a, a rubbish video i agree and it's something you know as i found with my week being back uh back to reality since you've got enough stories to tell people to uh you know Luckily enough, I, you know, I did have a picture of me being there, which I was given officially. But you know, you can, uh, you've got the got the story to tell. You don't need to need to show someone your phone and show no. show some. So I, hopefully, you know, as I say, it's one of these traditions. But I think it may well catch on elsewhere. People, Cause, yeah, the PJ Tour and European Tour only added the the policy of phones a few years ago. Mm. which I think they're quite happy with because people then share stuff on social media, yeah. which goes viral, and but. But at the end of the day, us fans watching on telly and other people do think it looks a little bit stupid. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I see that argument as well. So perhaps it's something which may stick, uh, you know, be exclusively for Augusta, which is no bad thing because it's something else which adds to its um, iconic status. I think. But it does annoy me when you see people watching Tiger Woods. It's like, why are you looking at your smartphone? You're not going to get this opportunity very often. No, you can see I, you swing ev- everywhere. I agree, I agree. But I think that's society in general, isn't it? <laughs> Rather than just golf. But uh, there's a bigger debate there. Yeah. So uh, what was the best shot you saw a week? Or did you see any special ones? I remember best. you said something about Kepka. Holding uh, I did see Kepka. Well, that was, uh, that, was in, that was on Tuesday, I think. So that was one of the warm-up days. I saw uh, yeah, kept going the 16th. He hit his first in the water and teed it up again very casually, just knocked it on the green and, uh, yeah, straight in the hole. So That's um, incredible. Uh, and then he went and skipped one across the uh, across the water onto the green as well. So, um, yeah, it was the uh, best shot I saw. It's That's a tricky one. You know, you're there for four days. One of the most bizarre things I saw was Tiger Woods on the final day on the 9th so I saw him, saw his approach in to the back of the green from behind. So we had a, had a good view of that. Then wandered up to the green again. You know, it was it was sort of seven, eight deep. So I couldn't get anywhere near that. So I was watching him from below the green. So I couldn't see the hole or the ball. Just saw him take his shot and didn't know where he was on the green. But he clearly hit it. And then there was silence. For, must have been felt like 10 20 seconds nothing and then suddenly the roar started to build and thinking how's this putt developed i don't that understand when the hair it stand yeah up yeah and i think it was it. just getting bigger and bigger this noise to a crescendo obviously it, it didn't drop but uh that was i had to go back to the media center and rewind and work out what would what had actually gone on and saw the phenomenal putt that he produced but to be there for that and uh, yeah, just try and work out where he had hit it, which was he wasn't aiming at where I thought the pin was placed. So it was yeah, just one of those strange moments. You just there's quite a few moments you've actually got to try and work out how they these guys work out the greens. You know, seeing seeing Bernard Langer as well. Go, I mean, he made the cut again. Incredible performance. I think he was asked, you know, 
does your experience here count for more than these guys hitting it 40, 50 yards past you? And I think he said, I'd take hitting it 40, 50 yards further every day, but it counts for so much. Mm. And, you know, he's, got, he's just plotting his way around. Yeah, he knows the spots to avoid, doesn't he? Yeah, again, it's a cliche, but uh, but he's there year in, year out, isn't he? And I think that's that's how Tiger performed so brilliantly this year. He knew, knew where to miss. And, uh, and yeah. Do you think he's got a chance at any other majors this year? Who, Berdalanga? <laughs> <laughs> On the way in this morning, I was imagining Tiger Woods winning the USPGA next month. At uh, it's, I mean, he's got a chance, hasn't he? He's going to be, he's, he's going to be one of the contenders, but there are so many contenders. I, the one, that final day, I'm not saying, I'm certainly not saying he was handed it, but everyone else fell away, didn't they? I mean, they were tra- there was a, a worrying moment when Patrick Cantley, you know, <laughs> eagled the uh, 15th, did he? And uh, suddenly I thought, I'm, you know, thinking I was going to be here for one of the most iconic weeks in sport. I'm going to be here for Patrick Cantley's first major, which would have been amazing, but uh, would have been slightly less amazing than the how it um, how it panned out. Uh, but, you know, Kupka, Dustin Johnson, Molinari, Chauflay, they were all there, but they all fell away. I mean, and these guys are all going to be there for... Was that because it was a windy day? Was it difficult? There, there was a, a I guess bit there were storms approaching. Storms it? approaching that didn't, that didn't develop fully in the end, so uh, I think they would have got away with a normal... normal um, tea times but um, but yeah I don't know whether it's just the pressure of that back nine I think um, but as I say for, for the majors for the rest of the season I think these guys are all going to be there Rory's going to be there so yes of course he could win another but it's I, th- I think it's unlikely I think oh, uh, uh, well you know it's it's it would be a, a fantastic story but I think he's given us a big enough story this year already to uh, I'm, I'm happy with that I know you want him to win all four Elliot but uh, <laughs> I'm not biased but mm. yeah it would be nice I'd say well, Tiger winning the Masters Rory winning the Open in uh, Northern Ireland yeah uh, that'd be another one wouldn't it and then maybe another European success somewhere I'd take that but yeah if, if Tiger wants to win at Pebble Beach I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to resent in that one um, right, so did you see the par three contest? What was that like? I did. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was. I mean, as it's built, it's a bit of fun. You know, you again huge huge crowds, uh, everyone up on those banks, and uh, uh, another thing that surprised me just how short some of those holes were. So you're right on top of them. You've got you know people teeing off with the next hole right behind you, um, and it's yeah obviously just a flick of a wedge into for these guys, but. Uh, some you could see taking it more seriously than others. So I saw Gary Player, Gary, Gary Player for one. Yeah, you know he's uh, still as competitive as ever, shall we say? Uh, but yeah, Spieth, uh, Fowler, and uh, Thomas were in a group, and they their girlfriends were caddying, and it was just like a bunch of you know again sound, sounding quite old here. It just seemed like a bunch of kids wandering around having a good time. Bunch yeah, multi millionaires, bunch of multi millionaire kids having a bit of fun. To see them all that relaxed day before a major was quite refreshing. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those traditions. Come back to that word, which uh, makes the week what it is. Did um, you see Nicholas and saw Bayer him and saw Watson? So, so Nicholas. I was there when Nicholas Watson and Player were teeing off with those other guys I mentioned firing into a green sort of 10 yards behind them uh, but they're all having 
a laugh and a joke with the crowd. You know, Gary Player's always always good value, isn't he? He's always yeah. uh, always got something something to say for himself. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, saw Nicholas hit a couple, you know, a couple of greens. Didn't didn't uh, you know? I'm not sure what he finished on, but he he could still play golf. But imagine way. of all the players you saw that week, Nicholas was right up there with Tiger Woods in terms of. Star of, power, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Where else do you get the chance to see Jack Nicholas playing golf? You yeah, know, it's um, yeah. You can see these guys knocking it around at uh, majors around the world, but yeah, Jack Nicholas. To I think he said he hadn't played since the previous years. Really? Uh, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah, um, and yeah, you, don't, you never lose it, as I say. But um, yeah, he played in I think in Ernie L's um, L's for Autism Day last year. After, oh, did he? Or around the time of the Masters, okay. and he beat his age. Okay, which shows you just how good he still is. Yeah, which is well, incredible. Well, it's just another one of those things you can tick off. Say I've I've done, you know, to see him in the flesh. Um, it was just another box that I, you know, of the many hundreds of boxes I yeah. seemed to tick off that week. So, uh, so yeah, if I mean again, I'd recommend if if you were going there. For a practice day, that Wednesday is great because they practice in the morning and you've got the par three competition in the afternoon. So you get the best of both worlds in that way. Um, Did yeah. you see the ceremonial two shots? I didn't actually because uh, I was staying a little bit far out of town. You right. know, prices in Augusta get pretty ridiculous, um, you know, for Masters Week. So I was staying up in a town called Lexington, which is about an hour north, um, and didn't manage to get down uh, in time for that uh, initial tee shot but um, but but yeah it was I'm, I'm not going to say that ruined my week because um, yeah it, you can't do everything kind of thing but it was um, yeah I did see I did manage to catch a bit of their press conference uh, having seen them done it and they, those guys could I think carry on talking for most of the day especially again Gary Player he seems yeah they love to slate the modern game don't they they do like to slate the modern game but you know I think that's that's old people in general, isn't it? I'm, I'm getting that way myself. <laughs> so, Dave, I'm afraid... I see you've got your scorecard there. I'm afraid I have to move on to what it's like to play Augusta. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, you know, the cherry on top of the week. I couldn't... Tom, you know, came, went obviously went last year and came back with uh, amazing tales, how his name was pulled out of the hat, and I thought there's no chance that it's going to happen two years in a row that a Golf Monthly staff member is going to get that lucky. But bizarrely, yeah, come Saturday, suddenly there was an announcement in the media centre. You know, go downstairs and see if you were one of the lucky punters to get your name pulled out of the hat. And there, there it was. Um, which, what does that feel like? Well, it was, uh, I was just sort of stunned. I mean, the, the guy, uh, it's funny, actually, the guy who was behind the desk at the time said, uh, I looked at the list, saw my name there, and I kind of wandered off um, just to compose myself for a second and came back to him. Uh, about 10 minutes later and he said oh, sorry is your name on there I didn't realise you know you look like you'd, uh, you look so disappointed <laughs> yeah. uh, there's no way your name could have been on there uh, but I think I must have just been had a sort of stunned shocked look on my face and uh, I had to go away and uh, let it sink in but, that was yeah. your first game since November wasn't it <laughs> that was my first first game since November uh, I scrabbled around to get some clubs uh, big thank you to uh, Tom's mate, actually, Dave Plain, who was out there on a golf trip, had his clubs with him. Uh, so a bit of uh, yeah negotiating come that morning. So um went and pick, picked up his clubs. I'd never played with them before. Excuses. Uh, right excuses. Get my first one in. <laughs> and yeah, there I was come Monday. You know, you get your invitation. They say, 
you have a meeting before with um, how you know how they expect the day to go. One of the um, my big fears for the Sunday was obviously if the thunderstorms had come in and play was delayed. Then yeah, what happens if there was a Monday finish? If there was a Monday finish, they said. Well, they said there was good news and bad news. If there was a Monday finish. Um, our game would have been cancelled, but we would have been able to put in for the draw again the following year. Oh. Because I think if you get picked out, you you uh, have a seven-year exemption where you can't put in again for it, which wouldn't have helped me because I don't think there's any chance I'll be back next year <laughs> for Golf Monthly. So thankfully, the weather held off, and uh, and there I was driving down Magnolia Lane come uh, Monday morning, which was, uh, again, as surreal as it comes uh, after several dozen surreal experiences is that valet car parking so yeah drive down uh yeah chuck your keys to someone who parks your car they take your clubs out take them to the range show you to the champions locker room so i was given given Seve's locker wow uh Seve and charles walsall so yeah which is i mean another thing i think we touched on it earlier but how small that champions locker room actually is it's all very compact in that clubhouse, uh, but yeah, I don't think they, when they built it they were planning for what was to happen over the coming 70, 80 years. So and they've yeah. got three locker rooms now, have they? They've obviously got a women's one after inviting women to be members of the club recently. They've got a normal one and then champions. Yeah, so I think they're elsewhere, they're, next, they're in different buildings, so actually right. in the clubhouse itself is just the champions locker. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, from what I saw, I had a little bit of a nose around, but you can't, I didn't want to offend too many people and be chucked off before I was actually yeah. allowed to play. But, um, but yeah, then you're shown to the range. Um, and I had to get to grips with these new clubs. I was <laughs> standing on the range with my designated caddy, Duncan, behind me, uh, trying to hit these irons, which I get my excuses in. They did seem very upright to what I was used to. And I couldn't I couldn't hit them. I couldn't get them off the ground. Really? <laughs> with every shot, I was thinking, oh, God, you know, panic was setting in more and more. Yeah, I hit his driver fine. but, um, but So yeah. tell the listeners, what's your handicap? Well, I mean, officially, I... Uh, golf monthly I usually play off at 18 and that usually seems to work so yeah I wasn't expecting to break any course records but I was I was hoping that uh, I was going to perform better than I was in the range yeah. and my caddy was I could see a sort of panic look come over his face <laughs> thinking this is this is going to be a long day and he did yeah have a few words of encouragement saying you know you can't change anything now you're on the range all this sort of stuff which I didn't want to hear but uh, so I thought, God, this is this could be quite a long day. I could uh, really not justify being here in any way, but was carried onto the first tee, and then I don't know, a sort of serene calmness took over. I, I didn't feel no nerves. It was so strange being there, and so I mean, so, so happy to be there. I didn't feel nervous. It was strange, and it helped one of the guys I was with hit his tee shot pretty much through his legs. <laughs> but I'm naming no names, but uh, that calmed my nerves down a bit, and managed to yeah. I was hitting, hitting the ball pretty well. Hit the ball, you know, hit it straight down the middle on the first. Um, greenside bunker on the second. Took a nine. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that kind of summed up my day. Um, yeah, tee to green. It's strange because you're playing on members' tees, so some are further ahead than others. And um, it's actually a pretty playable golf course. You know, you can. it's just the fun starts when you get to the green and... Yeah, yeah. Even with a guy telling you, an experienced caddy telling you where to hit it, how hard to hit it. Yeah, my brain was pretty scrambled by uh, two or three greens in. It's um, it's, it's the hills are so severe. The the undulations that you, you 
he's telling you you've got to hit this one quite hard and everything inside you is saying I'm not going to hit this one hard because yeah. it's going to just go and go and go and generally they they either roll back to your feet or they went miles past the pin so so yeah having given myself many looks at pars or you know a few birdie putts out there yeah I managed to not register a par so, same as Tom last year but, but you did beat Tom didn't you I beat I went around 105 which I, I have to say I was quite pleased I didn't lose a ball I was, you know, as I say, there or thereabouts on pretty much every green. I think six or seven greens in regulation, but just putting was... Uh, putting's never particularly my strong point, and, yeah, blimey, I was found out there. I really was. We were talking earlier in the office. I was comparing it to the day we had it at Lytham last year. We had a golf monthly trip to Lytham, and obviously the defences of the golf course are very different, and uh, tee to green... Yeah, Augusta. As I say, you, you can you can get there. You know, with a, with with helpfully placed pins. It's um, well, sorry, helpfully placed tees. You can get to these greens. But well, yeah, their members aren't all tall pros. Aren't exactly, they? exactly. But yeah, but compare it to my round at Lytham last year, where I was hacking away in rough and just you know losing the will to live at some points, trying to get out out of pot bunkers and yeah this i mean it helped i played well i struck the ball pretty you well you do have a bit of a reputation for your bunker play don't you yeah i, I can't say not it. by me yeah no, well you've seen it <laughs> <laughs> i've um yeah i didn't actually get out of any of them I, I found a few and it took me two to get out of each one so that's not going to help you scoring but um but I, I can't complain the experience of being there, experience of walking over over the 12th uh, you know the hogan bridge um you found the back of the green with well just off the green on 12 managed the three putt after that as you'd expect but that's something um i suppose molinari would have killed for but uh yeah. but yeah just being there being on the 13th tee and that's part of the course you really can't access as a spectator so it was i mean it was really it was dreamland it really was you know as a day i, I still can't hasn't quite sunk in it happened but um yeah it's one something that will I'll never be able to repeat and uh, yeah I was just so glad to be there yeah so what's it like having a caddy as well as a uh, amateur golfer <laughs> not something we experience very often is it yeah it's some, it, was a, it was a first for me definitely um, and yeah, it was just great to you know initially just to you know chat to a guy who'd been a caddy for 20 odd years at Augusta National and he had a few stories to tell I mean I don't think he was technically allowed to tell any of them so i won't go into too much and detail and he wasn't allowed to tell you people he'd caddied for he wasn't right? allowed to tell me yeah so he'd obviously caddied for, for the rich and famous uh yeah i don't know whether he'd caddied for presidents but uh yeah he was he was you know fair enough he'd be part of their policies you know not to talk about these things as you can understand but yeah he had a few interesting tales up his sleeve but to have a guy there i mean as i alluded to earlier he's knew the greens like the back of his hand he's telling me aim here aim you know foot outside right or whatever you know so I can't blame my lines or anything any, anything like that you know he was he knew his stuff clearly uh, but I just couldn't execute it and um, yeah just couldn't get those, the pace right at all unfortunately uh, and so you know the for an amateur 18, 18-ish handicapper with a dodgy putting stroke, as I uh, I've demonstrated over the years, yeah, it's you know it's pretty much impossible. Some of those, some of the positions you find yourself in. You know. Yeah, walking along the fairways with your hands in your pockets must be quite nice. No bags to carry. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly get used to it. You know, if you want to caddy for me next time we go out, I'd uh, I'd definitely take it. But um, it's 
yeah, it was just a, just a, another very pleasant element to a, an, an amazing day. And so yeah, we were we were in a four ball and you know chatting away to all, all four of the caddies, all really nice guys, and uh, you know caddied at various clubs around. You know, I think one of them had, had been at Sawgrass, and uh, I mean these guys have seen it all. I think one of um, not my caddy, but someone else's had. Uh, he was always Ian Woosnam's caddy for um, on practice days. Right. So Woozy had always requested that this guy had, um, would be there for him. And uh, yeah, and he still, I think, exchanged his Christmas cards with, with Woozy. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, and another guy had, I think, a, quite a big gambler who... Um, in in Europe, who was always badgering him for betting tips and that kind of thing. I'm not sure he was allowed to give too, too many away, but I think he was he was laying quite quite hefty sums on various players and uh, phoning up this guy to to, no. to check out whether you know whether he was onto onto a winner or not. But um, but yeah, just uh, really, as with everyone who seemed to work at Augusta, in whatever guys, yeah, very friendly, approachable guys who you know were there to help and. Uh, and just added to the whole day, really. So, did you get to go in the pro shop before? Was that all stocked with? That was stocked. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, stuff, is it? it was uh, unfortunately because uh, Nick Bonfield, uh, who often gets name checked in this podcast, had asked me to pick something up for him this year, uh, and I didn't get a chance to get to the shop before the Monday. So I said, just to rub salt in the wounds to Nick, who hadn't didn't manage to play the year he went. Uh, I said, I'll. I'll I'll put my head round the door on Monday to see if I can spot it for you but they the literally the moment the tournament finishes the stock is changed from master stock to Augusta national stock so there's no real hint of the tournament you know that right. once once tournament's finished that's it back to members Did you see any players on the Monday yeah no no I didn't see any players so it was very strict in terms of my tea time was 11.20 you're allowed down Magnolia Lane at 10.20 <laughs> Uh, not allowed on the property before no 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 you're um so you're, you've you've got an hour to get changed warm up have a bit of food and then they want you fair enough they want you off off the property fairly quickly after you've finished um and yeah they've got a very exclusive club to run so you know they they need to get back to normality as quickly as possible i think but for that five hours we were there we were made to feel like members ourselves and it was yeah it, Experience of a lifetime, it really was. Uh, I don't want to say anything negative, I'm sure, about Augusta, but is there any negatives you would say? Does it feel a little bit too exclusive, a little bit um, a bit horrible like that? Well, I, I mean, during the tournament, I'd say no, because, you know, you've got thousands upon thousands of people there all enjoying themselves, all seemingly from, from many walks of life. But yeah, as you'd expect, going there on the Monday is a completely different kettle of fish. It's as, as as exclusive as it gets, and that's that's an American country club for you and a very high end American club, country club for you. I, I don't think there's a way around that. You know, it's that's part of their DNA. That's part of their makeup, isn't it? Uh, and that's unfortunately that's what makes it partly why it, what makes it so special. You know, it's it's the, that exclusivity and that access to something you feel you shouldn't really be getting access to i don't know yeah it's a uh, bit of a bit of a murk, you know dodgy ground that one but because uh, <laughs> it's not the most wealthiest of cities is it it's not well it, i think did you see any of the the bad parts 
I didn't have a great deal of chance to to explore much, which was a, possibly one of my regrets. I'd not been to that part of America before, as I said. So there's a lot of driving involved. So I was staying quite far north, um, and this town I was staying in got very lucky with my Airbnb. So um, he's uh, he'd never really heard of golf before, so I didn't realise he was really? he was onto a golf. So I just had a room in this guy's. It's you know. Uh, family home. He was uh, he was a home brewer, so he plied me full of his home home brew for most of the week. Uh, and yeah, he was he was fascinated by the fact this was going on just uh, an hour south of uh, his home, and he he only moved there six months ago. Right. I think think he'll be upping his prices next year. Yeah, I got very lucky. Just another part of the trip I was lucky with, really. But yeah, you say you, you're driving through towns, through cities. Yeah, it, it does seem as we as we said earlier, very strange juxtaposition to go from one extreme to the other but i think i get the impression that's that's the deep south of america for you that's um all these cities are like it yeah but, um but yeah we don't we don't get exposed to one in the same way we do with augusta every year right so we've got a couple of questions here dave that we got on social media one of them was from kevin markham on twitter who asked how close together are the fairways camera angles suggest acres of space but there are obviously places where it's much tighter uh, yeah, there were. Um, I mean, as as we were talking about earlier, it's it's playable in the fact that there's not much rough, and you go in the trees. I mean, you can go in bushes and uh, and lose a ball. And f- fortunately for me, I didn't. But um, yeah, every hole feels it's pretty self-contained. And, and no, I, I, w- I wouldn't. I mean, you know these these views so much from the TV that uh, it all kind of fits together. What did surprise me is the. Um, the ninth and eighteenth green are very close to each other, so right. I mean, there's a bit of a walkway between the two of them. But yeah, it's um, you're right on top of each other. So the crowds around the eighteenth, uh, spilling over around the ninth as well. So yeah, it's it's all. And then there's a sort of vast area which I think used to be the range, which you just cascades down from there, down to the left, down towards uh, towards the eighth fairway. But yeah, no, it's 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 pretty much. Um, it's I'd say the whole course is probably smaller than you'd expect you'd kind of expect really? it to be vast on tv don't you you've uh you, it's, it's such such iconic views ever you think it's going to be this huge expanse but everything is fairly compact i'd say but with the hills everything you know everything's pretty much hidden away from each other so it's a clever design yeah i imagine when all the patrons and uh things like that and all the tour trucks or whatever leave it must look very open like lots of open space especially around the 18th green and yeah ninth like you said yeah well i mean there's 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 no tall trucks there or anything like that there's it's all that's you know we said earlier it was they're all permanent structures there so there's nothing extra brought onto the golf course in that way but the tv towers and yeah. uh yeah just the media take up a little bit of space but yeah when once that's all cleared away when we were there on the monday it's it's uh it's you can sort of stand at the top of the hill at the clubhouse and sort of view, view all these holes and see how they're all pieced together yeah it's pretty special pretty special so what's the furthest point you can see from the clubhouse you can see so you see down towards beyond the 8th fairway over the 8th so yeah you can see a bit of the 7th but yeah there's that, that huge sort of green area which used to be a range so you, you've got the uh, first year right and then you, you can, can see, see the water can't see any water from there no 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 so that's all tucked away behind uh yeah 10th 11th 12th and you can it's funny you can stand there and 
just hear the roars going up from you know you get that all, all sorts of uh, um, championships but just uh, you can almost pick out which hole the roars coming from yeah. from where you are even though you can't see it so that's that's someone's someone's got close to the 16th or someone's eagle the 15th yeah, uh, yeah it's um, yeah you could stand there for hours just, just, just trying to piece it all together that way uh, right, we've had one from Mike on Twitter, SportyM32. Sorry, you might not like this one. How many three putts or more did you have? <laughs> uh, no, let's I'll try and piece it together. Um, I remember you're a golfer who probably three putts quite often <laughs> around normal golf courses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, apart from the first hole where I, yeah, my nine on the first included two to get out of the bunker. So two to the bunker, two to get out of the bunker. And then I was found myself on the left-hand side of the green and three putts to get up the hill and they all rolled rolled back to my feet. And then really... They all rolled back to your feet? All rolled roll back to there or thereabouts, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's... <laughs> no, I said, sorry, two of them. Then whacked another one over the hill, which just went miles past yeah. the green. Uh, and then two more putts to finish with a nine, thinking this is going to be a very long day. I'm going to get a lot of stick for this. But things then, you know, started working out a little bit better. But every green I found in regulation, I three-putted, which was, I think, six or seven. Did You must have two-putted some holes. Two-putted a couple. Uh, Did two... you one-putt any holes? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what, 16. I, I uh, teed off to the back of the green. A nice chip down the hill. And, yeah, my caddy was saying, there's no way you can stop this. It's, you know, there's, it's either going to go in or it's going to go past the hole. There's no way you're going to stop it. So just uh, So I played a nice chip. Uh, and I had a decent look look for, I think, three-footer. Oh, so you did stop the chip well then? So I, I played the chip really well, three-footer for par, but, yeah, that was my close... Yeah, that just skirted the edge of the, you know... Skirted the edge of the hole. So that, that's, that's technically a two-putt, I suppose, <laughs> isn't it? And where else? I think I had a... Well, the 12th as well, I suppose, was technically a two-putt, because I was off the green. But, but yeah, I didn't cover myself in glory, <laughs> shall we say. And, my God, uh, my appreciation of what these guys can do yeah, it just bet. went up a whole another to a whole another level it's um yeah i don't think i'll be making it onto tour after all but uh, <laughs> but yeah what a way to find out do you think you were playing the course as the pros were playing it the day before obviously with different tees but different same pin positions yeah uh so that was that was all the same but i'm going to say look at some of the yardages um you know the par threes were pretty much pretty much the same yardages but there were a few that fifth hole Dave's uh, just getting his scorecard out here it's very very white no colour at all yeah, on it. Pretty, again very Discreet. understated isn't it yeah. oh, that one's a bit in a bit of a mess I've got another one at home which uh, is is a bit neater than that one but uh, I bugged the fifth which Tiger did every day so I'll take that um, what was the yardage on that for you but yeah we were so Masters T's 495 we were playing off 400 so right. makes a bit of difference yeah. <laughs> But yeah, a few of those, I think that's probably the most was around about 90 yards. But then there were a few which which were similar. Yeah, the, the shorter holes were similar. But yeah, it's... What about 13? Did you go back on that too? Uh, so you're teeing off from right in front of Ray's Creek. So you're, you're still that side. Right. But whereas they go go way back into, yeah. into the Can trees. Can you see there. Augusta Country Club from there? You can see it from various points. You know, you know, there's a golf course over there, but there's a big fence up, and yeah, that's where they'll be building on next year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you are further forward. So I managed to my drive found the middle of the fairway, and I was on the corner, 
didn't in the end go for the green because uh, my caddy's advice there, sound advice, and he yeah, was on the green in three, and that was probably the closest I had to a birdie putt. But you know, by that point, I was the, the dream of getting a birdie. Birdie, I've, I've got to attack this. Got to, got to yeah. go for it. So gave it a chance, and yeah, it just carried on rolling, <laughs> carried on rolling, and yeah, that was a three putt. So, so I mean, I can't. My perhaps one regret is that I didn't uh, didn't register. Any, but I'm, as you know, I'm a fairly bog standard golfer anyway. So I was never, never very good ball striker. Didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, there's a few areas. Maybe of, a different day on the greens. Maybe, maybe if I had. In fact, one of the guys I played with, who was a you know older chap, probably in his sixties, clearly was was a very good player, but was struggling a bit. Yeah, with his ball striking, his short game was was really good. Yeah. And it was yeah, it was really great to see actually a guy who just he he said he played there 20 years ago and he obviously played a lot of golf and was a low single figure player. And he had quite a bit of control of his ball around the greens. If we merged our two games, we we may have come up with a decent score. But um, but yeah, but it's, it's not about score, is it? It's not about no, score. no. It's um, <laughs> once in a lifetime experience, really, isn't it? It's. I think it's that, something yeah. nobody can ever take away from you. Yeah, I mean, the one abiding feeling is uh, after you come off, you just want to play it again. So I don't think that's something I'll. Uh, Did it go quickly? It didn't. It, it, it by the time you. You got to back nine, then suddenly you start realising this, you know, you've, you've played the 12th, that's gone, you're never going to get to do it again, and then they keep on coming, and yeah, before you know it, you're done, you're walking up the 18th, thinking, God, did that just happen? It's never going to happen again, but, wow, you know, what's, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it did it did go too quickly, but um, they unfortunately didn't let me go around again. But there we go. No, <laughs> oh. Dave. I think that wraps it up. Is there anything else you want to mention? Well, I'd, all I'd say is, you know, I, uh, hopefully didn't come across too smug there. But uh, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. But even as a spect, I mean, I was there whilst I was on the course. I was there as a spectator. I wasn't allowed to, you know, I didn't wasn't allowed my phone, so I couldn't be working while I was on the course. I was there as anyone else would be. I didn't get any special access, and just to be there and witness yesterday week. Tiger winning, but to witness the tournament I'd watched since I was a since I was a kid, it's just a really special experience. If if anyone if you can get out there, you're thinking about going out there, just do it. And I, I mean, it's expensive, yes, but it was a, a, an amazing experience. There are a lot of uh, travel packages that UK people can get. I know they're about two, three grand, aren't they? But... Yeah, but even even the practice days where I was at, I mean, that was yeah the first couple of days I was there you're there on a practice day and everyone's walk. then you are allowed to take pictures I've never seen so many disposable cameras in my, I think it was like being at a sort of a wedding from the 90s everyone's there with a disposable camera because yeah again obviously you're not allowed your phone and you can take pictures on practice days and everyone's wandering around just yeah in with a fixed grin on their face just, just being there being sampling you know just Seeing different players, you know, you're not following one particular group. You're just stumbling across who you stumble across. So I think there are packages where you can get a day's a day's practice day and a day's competition day, uh, a day's tournament day, and it's 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 just fantastic experience. It really was. So Elliot, hopefully you'll get get your chance one day. Yeah, hopefully. But um, but yeah, couldn't couldn't recommend it highly enough. Oh, good. Thanks a lot for that, Dave. Um, hopefully the listeners you enjoyed. If you did enjoy, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please subscribe to us. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Golf Monthly Magazine, Twitter at Golf Monthly, Instagram at Golf Monthly. Next week we'll have Tom Clark back from 
Cyprus. I imagine he'll be very sunburnt out there playing cricket, <laughs> uh, celebrating a Liverpool victory yesterday as well. Or was it the day before? But yeah, at the weekend. We'll be previewing the Wells Fargo and the Volvo China Open. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Elliot. Cheers. Thanks.